0: Welcome to a segment where we're going to call Mangum Talks, Mangum Reads, Pottering Around. We're going to be going chapter by chapter, and I came along vaguely unwillingly, and Spencer's excited to finally read a book that supposedly everybody else in the entire world has read. Pretty much, yes.
1: BJ, I gave you an out before this started that you did not have to be involved in this project if you didn't want to.
2: At a certain point, I just want to know why, since about age 12, people continually referred to me as a Hufflepuff. Maybe I will finally know.
1: I think you'll figure that out pretty early on in this journey. I feel
0: like all you need is the onomatopoeia there, and you just are.
2: <laughs> <laughs> I'm looking forward to greater knowledge. This is a, the circumstance of where everyone I know had read and grew up with this, but somehow I just didn't. I skipped it. So I'm excited.
1: Well, I will say, I don't know when we're going to get to it, but at some point, we are all going to take the Which House Are You quiz online. And we will know for certain. I mean, oh, I've already taken that it. Like, I, I, do you I get know, the same
0: thing every time? I do. On purpose? Mm.
1: Shut up. <laughs>
2: <laughs> are you a knowledgeable enough fan that you can game it to get what result you...
1: It's not hard.
2: Okay. Do you like snakes
0: and lying to people? <laughs> Yes or no?
1: Do you spend all of your time in the library?
0: Well,
2: yes was. or
1: no. <laughs>
2: <laughs> that, that's, yeah. Well, in terms of format, how we decide we can do this, I, I believe we discussed going uh, chapter by chapter, and rather than doing an extended recap, given that the greater part of the known world has already read this, figured we'd do like a quick little summary to start and then go on to our three separate segments of talking about things we find interesting. That, is that what we agreed to,
1: folks? Yep. Sounds good to me. Sounds about right. All right. Um, so we are starting with book one, chapter one. Uh, my copy is Harry Potter and the Philosopher's Stone, but I you am pretty sure that it. we are reading different books. We are. Um, Yours so... is probably better. <laughs> uh,
2: probably, probably a little probably. bit less retconning. Yeah, this is funny. I, I got the Kindle edition without actually looking which version of the title it was. Hold on. Hold on. <laughs> Saucers. Damn it. <laughs>
1: um, so aw. chapter one is The Boy Who Lived. Which
2: I love that chapter. I love that <laughs> title so much. That is such a pull kind of title. Um. Yeah. I I guess it has more impact if, like, you hadn't heard
0: it, like, over and over and over again. Do you not have any Harry Potter fans that you've ever dealt with before, though, Spencer?
2: I've dealt with, but they all were, you know, so long past the first book, they were talking about uh, horror cr- things. And, <laughs> all right.
1: Uh, I'm going to start keeping a list of things some, we need some, to discuss. Some,
2: something, <laughs> called, something called Dementors and... Uh, I don't whatever character Gary Oldman was playing, <laughs> yeah, th- 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 that was pretty far in before they were like, actively talking about them to me.
0: Sounds good. So, um, Sarah, I think we are going to task you with uh, quickly going over the plot with a hard cutoff, which I'm going to start making Jeopardy noises as you get to.
1: <laughs> oh, we've got the timer going? All right. Well, let me know when I need to start.
0: Uh, well, pretty much whenever you're ready, unless Spencer has other words that he wants to pronounce in weirdly sexual ways. <laughs> I exist to butcher this. Let's go.
1: Guys, don't ruin this for me. <laughs>
0: <laughs> it won't be intentional. <laughs> you, you you do know about the replacing wand with another, a piece of melanatomy. Stop it. Okay. Stop
1: it. Okay. Stop it. Okay. Um. All right. Now, so, Um. all right, first chapter, The Boy Who Lived. So this is one of those weird chapters um, that you get every once in a while over the series where, like, you are really not where you think you were probably going to be when you start so we start with um a kind of zoom in on the infamous i guess uh number four privet drive which is the like most normal of normal places really ever and um, we follow around for this first chapter um a very beefy man named uh vernon dursley and kind of his interactions, I guess, with his family and his work and strangers on the street who he can't really stand. Um, And so the Dursleys are like very much a suburban, um, I think I mentioned on Slack today, like a Cary, North Carolina-esque family. Um, And they are upper-ish, middle-class, middle-class, striving. Um, And we have Dursley and Petunia and their young son, Dudley. And we follow really Vernon around throughout his day. So he, you know, kisses his wife on the cheek and laughs at his son, who is being sort of an asshole in his um, high chair at the table. And then we follow him through uh, going to his job at the drill company, um, where he... Kind of in the process of getting there, he starts to notice like a couple of odd things, but he is like very good at putting the blinders on and saying, nope, I'm going to go fulfill my drill bit orders today and yell at some people and get my bun at lunch. And like, that's all I'm going to do. So he thinks he sees a cat reading a map um, on the street as he goes by, but that couldn't possibly be the case. Um, The cat certainly cannot be reading the street sign either because cats don't read. Um, And we also kind of in the perspective of this first chapter get a few moments where you pull out, this is not first person, this is sort of third person close-ish. And um, (laughs) so anyway, Dursley, um, Vernon, starts to kind of go through and begins to see and hear a couple of odd things. There are some people on the streets gathering in ways that he finds deeply unsettling, particularly because they are not wearing normal clothes. And he finally hears, they have cloaks, um, sometimes in odd colors. And um, he hears... Somebody mentioned the Potters, Um, and we kind of learn that the Dursleys have a secret and it has something to do with a family called the Potters, and potentially a young son named Harry, but he can't remember if the son's name is Harry or something else. So he goes home and he is trying to figure out how to bring this up to his wife, um, and he finally does, and becomes pretty much convinced that whatever is going on actually has to do with the young son of his sister's family, Harry Potter and the potters um, cut screen. We are back to the cat on the street. The cat on the street has been sitting there all day and um, a very oddly dressed man starts walking up the street and he takes out his deluminator and turns off all the street lamps. And all of a sudden we are not with a cat and a man, but with a um, the cat has turned into a woman and they are having a conversation about exactly what we're not really sure. Um, but about kind of these rumors that we have had circling around us throughout this time. And it comes out um, in this conversation between Dumbledore and Minerva McGonagall that um, the Potters have been killed, the Dark Lord is gone, vanished to who knows where, and um, that Harry is the only survivor, and he is the only one who has ever survived any type of this incident that we don't really know what it is. So Um, I
0: will say that we don't know it's the Dark Lord. We you do. just know it's Voldemort. Yes, and he shall yes. not be named. Which Spencer, sure, you should one, have. Heard those by ones now. I got. Yep.
1: <clears throat> yes. So sorry, Voldemort. I suppose at this point, um, giant flying motorbike comes in. Giant man riding giant fly- flying motorbike comes in with a tiny baby. That baby is Harry. Um, Dumbledore indicates that they are going to leave Harry with his aunt and uncle. M- McGonagall is aghast and appalled um, because they are the worst sorts of Muggles imaginable. And, um, Dumbledore sort of says, yeah, but he really shouldn't grow up famous before he even has any concept of like what he has done or what's going on or anything like that. So we're going to leave him here. It'll be fine. Um, and they leave Harry in a basket on the doorstep with to a letter. be met <laughs> with a letter to be met by the Dursleys in the morning as they come out to get their milk. So, um, and then all across the world, I guess people are, wizards are toasting to Harry Potter, the boy who lived.
0: So a couple of things that I just want to address. Um, I love that Dumbledore like doesn't knock on the door
2: and he's just like meh, I'll just leave him. It's fine. This is iconic and traditional. We'll work out great. Yeah, um, and I guess the, I think he just doesn't want to deal with the Dursleys. Quite honestly, that is the impression I got. It's yeah, just like ah, I wrote a letter. It's like breaking up with someone by text. It's fine. Yeah, and then um, the other is um, I,
0: I think that. I vaguely remember that the wizards are supposed to not like let the muggles know about wizards and that's like one of the big things that's uh wizardy and just how much that gets violated like a first chapter and I'm sure it's like going to be <laughs> iterated over and over again and it's just like really this is how this book started out and you're giving uh, Hermione crap because uh, you know her, her hair doesn't do whatever it is that it's
2: supposed to so they do take pains to say that this is definitely the exception that there's implied to be like an 11 year conflict or something against this person who shall not be named Voldemort yes uh, and that the normal standards seem to be whatever Professor McGonagall was going about which is essentially voluntarily being a cat on sentry duty for eight hours straight uh, that seems to be more of the norm about how they interact with the uh, Muggle Muggle world. Um, so yeah, does does seem like this is like the you know we've just def- we've just ended World War II kind of celebrations you know decorum be damned.
0: Yeah. Um, so the next part where the we're gonna do is we're each gonna have a segment uh, where we go over you know the our favorite thing or whatever else. Uh, mine is either going to be my favorite pun or least favorite pun, as the case may be, or a word that is clearly made up that I'm either amused, disappointed in, or uh, otherwise uh, think that it's worth bringing out.
1: I think you've left that suitably vague to be able to do whatever you want, BJ.
0: Well, pretty much, but I feel like one or the other because there aren't always good puns, and I'm not sure that she's going to make up a word that I'm just kind of I think is a, a sort of good word, but also like I'm a little disappointed in. So for, <laughs> for this uh, episode, for, for chapter one, it's going to be undersley ish
1: As yes. undursley-ish as possible.
0: Yes. And so, you know, it, it is evocative, but I feel like this book is um, evocative in a very specific way that one needs to be kind of familiar with like English uh, habits because um, i guess the the first chapter has a very like monty python animated feel to me where you know the the dad kind of looks like a gruff cannonball and the mom you know is is sort of like uh wayfish and and all kind of angles and weird arcs um with her long neck and and uh everything else and and there's sort of just like a style of of uh cartoonish animation that just this whole description of folks. And I feel like underslyish ish is sort of that, that combination of, um, sort of disapproving and better than you and everything else that sort of rolled up into, um, what's very stereotypically, uh, English, especially in books. Um, I guess I also get a look, even from that, get a little bit of a feel of, um, Hitchhiker's Guide to the Galaxy, where, you know, hmm. the very typical English countryside where nothing happens and and you know it sort of all goes awry, but in a very, very English way.
1: Yeah, I don't I, I think that um what it kind of evokes for me, because I think you're right, like these first descriptions that we get of these people, like they are very sort of caricaturish and cartoonish, it kind of feels like the beginning of hundred and one Dalmatians when while they are rolling the credits, they have these like um Very, and I mean, it is then turning into a cartoon, but they have these very stylized cartoons that then become um, the sort of like standard cartoon version that the whole movie is in. Right. So they go through like kind of these art styles of different things and then it kind of settles into what it is um, eventually. And that's kind of what this feels like to me. That's kind of like really kind of what this first book feels like to me. Um, She's getting by the time we get. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, that by the time we get to the second book and really the third book, and then we've kind of settled into more like solid um Yeah, just wait a couple of th- th- books, then it gets good. <laughs> I mean, well, I, didn't I, say it, I didn't <laughs> say it wasn't good. I just said hey, oh, it's I, a little I different. you going say, Well it's not
0: a couple of books, maybe it's four. <laughs> it's fine. So uh I'll hand it over to whichever of you two uh wants to go next. All right, Spencer, so, what are you doing?
2: Okay. Given that I'm the one with the least amount of knowledge on this, I figured it might be interesting for me to do a newbie's take on character uh, character moments. Okay. Of going through introductions to characters or key character moments that I feel will be indicative of how I should view this character going forward, so that you two of greater knowledge can just laugh at my utter misapprehensions of what these characters actually represent or what role they're going to play in the plot.
1: That we might have a mentor situation going on. Uh That is
2: just never going to stop being funny to Uh, y'all, is it? it, It's it's somewhere
0: between really funny and just a little bit (laughs) horrifying. I stick to technical accuracy. It was
2: accurate. Um, Okay. Anyway.
1: So who do you want to talk about today?
2: Well, I feel like here the obvious choice for me, and you guys saw this in my little comments as I was reading, is uh, Hagrid's introduction. I feel like in a page and a half, I know about all that I need to about this character, and I'm interested to see if it proves accurate going forward, in that, again, in literally like a page and a half, he bursts into the scene riding a motorcycle like meatloaf bursting through a freezer wall, Uh, he lands on site, giant of a person. He diligently, he gently hands over a tiny baby, he asks to give the baby whiskery kisses, and then he bawls, like, it, what was the word? It was he a howls, bang yeah. dog or something? <laughs> he howls. I feel like in a page and a half, I have got everything I need to know about this character. I've got an introduction that is memorable, I've got his giant of a frame, and I've got his tender his tender heart. As well as a paragraph earlier, Dumbledore's apparent absolute and unconditional trust of whatever this guy it, of whatever he assigns this guy to do, he will pull off. Yeah, on, so.
0: on my second read, he feels a lot more like Lenny from Of Mice and Men.
2: <laughs> there's there, there's an element of, comp, of competence in not murdering, you know, peop, uh, various uh, farm bosses that I don't feel <laughs> about this character.
1: Um, I will, uh, spoiler Spencer, say that I, I think that your read of Hagrid is going to hold up pretty well.
0: Yeah. Yay! I, so I, I also <laughs> feel like the movie version of Hagrid is kind of different but i also haven't really seen the movies so i don't know he (laughs) he, he's like the the snippets that i've seen and like the one and a half movies that i've seen he he seems like a little bit more functional and competent rather than just like the uh hanging on you know the uh the dunce of the group kind of you know hearts in the right place but
2: you know tell me about the rabbits george from the description he seems like he pulled off a pretty nuanced operation i'm talk that this it's he, he borrowed mean, a motorcycle from somebody else and yes and used up. that to successfully get a baby out of a home that was apparently about to be raided by muggles uh like in the nick of time so there was some element of craft that went into that process apparently sure sure
1: he is very good at tasks.
2: I, I'm picturing this being a person that is very good. That If you give him an assignment, if you set the parameters for him, and if you close the door on what those parameters are, he will get it done. Play- Beyond that, in terms of independent thought and creativity, you're asking for problems. I planted all the corn, George. <laughs> yes, but, but I gave you an ear of corn to eat. Oh, okay. All right, well, we've got BJ's perception of the character just hammered down right now. Yeah, got it. <laughs> All right, Sarah.
1: Okay. What you got? So I don't know what my segment is going to be all the time, um, because this one is not going to apply all the time. Um, But particularly, I think in the early chapters of most of the books, at least the early ones, like we are firmly in the muggle realm. Mm -hmm. Um, And so I am going to hit you with a segment today called Every Day I'm Muggling, um, which is about the most muggle of muggle things that happen in these chapters. And I think I had a lot of contenders in this sort of Dursley-filled chapter. Yep. Um, but I have one that I think takes the cake and actually is not the Dursleys. Um, so in one of these kind of like sweeping views that we have of kind of what is going on in the world around the Dursleys in their little bubble when they decide not to pay attention to the owls and the cats and the people in cloaks um, and, the sp- and the silver spoon. <laughs> 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 um, We get a scene where Vernon goes into the living room with a drink to talk to his wife, and the TV is on, and the news is playing in the background, and we get a full paragraph from the weatherman (laughs) that says, well, Ted, said the weatherman, I don't know about that, but it's not... Only the owls that have been acting oddly today, viewers as far apart as Kent, Yorkshire, and Dundee, have been phoning in to tell me that instead of the rain I promised yesterday, they've had a downpour of shooting stars. Perhaps people have been celebrating bonfire night early. It's not until next week, folks, but I can promise a wet night tonight. And that's just the most muggle thing.
2: That was so perfectly authentic uh, small-town weatherman. (laughs) i have just... That is every memory of growing up of watching, you know, the Channel 7 news for the weather at at 9.
1: Yes. Um, And so the fact, like, A, that the evening news is on. B, that there are televisions with the evening news. C, that there is a weatherman that needs to be involved. D, that they are sort of, like, making these really very weak jokes about all of this random stuff that's going on. And then, I don't know what letter I'm on, E, I think? That, like, there is no transition (laughs) from the sort of, like let me talk about topical things to, oh, actually my job is the weather. Um, so that is that is the most muggle of all at the moment. Cool. A,
2: a moment I love too, and uh, PG I think you commented on it being very uh, Fahrenheit 451 was uh, the quote from Dursley about he, he hurried to his car and set off home hoping he was imagining things, which he had never hoped before because he didn't approve of imagination. And to which my response was, capitalism is built on people like this. <laughs> yeah,
1: um, yeah. I think that gives you a pretty accurate read on Vernon Dursley as well.
2: Let's pick the most unmagical of people possible to hold what they're kind of describing as at least what will be a culturally the prodigal son of the magical society. Yep. Yeah. And I was going to say I think that
0: that does a good job of uh, wrapping up chapter one, the boy who lived, and the. Uh the people that brought him to, to where he's going to suffer.
1: <laughs> um, all right. So next time we are doing chapter two, the vanishing glass.
0: Yep. Sounds good. And, uh, we'll see, or talk to our viewers next week and you can find all of our content and this will be, uh, under the umbrella of Mangum Breeze, but all of our contents on MangumTalks.com and wherever you get your podcast. Thanks for joining us in the wizarding world of, I don't know, something. <laughs>
2: Okay, Sarah, how about you do the exit, please?
1: <laughs> I think that one'll do for this time,
2: but you know the wizarding world of something. <laughs> that's what we got. Come on, damn it, I'm actually excited to read this thing finally after twenty years of people talking about it. And there's All right, the button. join
1: us join us as we exit the muggle maleficence that we're I don't know.
2: Okay. <laughs> Come we're, back We're, next we're gonna time. workshop this. We're ready for next week.
1: <laughs> Bye y'all.
2: Always a always a pleasure, y'all.